what's up guys, I want to say thank you as always for listening and also take this time to announce that after this current season, season four, the travel series, Josiah's voice resumes its regularly scheduled programming. We're going back to the movies, y'all. So season five will be short and sweet, beginning in October with weekly episodes. I'll be talking with filmmakers from Baltimore to LA about movie magic, as well as catching you up on what I've been up to creatively. Finally, the plan for season six is to begin in November with new episodes every other week. Going forward, the show will be celebrating and focusing on black filmmaking as I continue to chronicle my career and those of filmmakers I think you should know about from the States and abroad. Stay tuned. All of this and more is coming soon. Thanks for listening, guys. Hello, you're listening to Josiah's Voice. I'm your host, Josiah Bradley. In this conversational podcast, I invite you on my journey through TV, film, and writing. Plus, fellow artists visit with me to share their own unique creative voices along the way. Tune in and get inspired. Hello, everybody. This is Josiah. Welcome back to another episode of Josiah's Voice podcast. Really honored and really excited for this guest uh, today. Um, If you've been listening, you know that uh, this kind of also had a travel theme to it, kind of an international theme to it, which is very different. And I feel really blessed to be able to do that. Because uh, as you know, you know, I've uh, I'm venturing in East Africa right now. I feel really blessed to be able to have done this uh, with my family and, and my friends. And we've been meeting some very interesting, very creative people along the way. This guest we met in Uganda um, at the time of this recording. It's June, but I met this person in April of, of this year um, on a trip, uh, a weekend trip with some friends for their birthday. And um, we kind of surprised them with uh, dancing and singing from a local academy. And the instructor is here today to chat about the school, about her students, about her life, about the importance of art and dance, song, and more in her life. So I'm not going to try to say her last name because I don't want to mess it up. Mm -hmm. But I want you all to help me welcome Ruth. Ruth, welcome. Mm Hi, Josiah. Thank Hello. you. So nice to see you again. Nice to be here on your podcast. Thank you. It's wonderful to see you as well and uh, to catch up uh, again. Um, it's always fun to see what you all are, are up to on Instagram. Uh, by the way, guys, I will link Ruth's Instagram, the school. The school is Grace Villa. I will link their information in the show notes and on the website so as that you can learn more about them, so as that you can support and everything. Yeah, Ruth, how how do I say your la- how do we say your last name so we get that right? All right. So it's India Bahika, but um, I usually say just break it up into two bits: India, like India, like the mm. country, India bah- Bahika. So it's India, India Bahika. India Bahika. See. Okay. <laughs> okay. I right. am speaking with sugar. <laughs> nice. Oh, is that the? Uh, how do mm-hmm. how do I say is it, it the the dialect or is go ahead yeah so so I'm from Kavale which is where you came for the birthday party That's and um so Kavale is in southwestern Uganda 
Um, so it's a district in its on its own, and our language is Ruchiga. Mm -hmm. So my all of our names have meaning. So Ndiyabahika means I will eventually reach them, and it has a Christian connotation. So it's probably like I will eventually get to the saints in heaven or something like that. So all our names have meanings. That's Actually, beautiful. my middle name is is Kendeje, K-E-N-Kendeje, and an airplane is Endeje. So my mom had me in her belly when she was in a foot flying to the United States and my grandmother named me of an airplane. So my name, my middle name is Kendeje. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Wow. I like that. And you, you may or may not know, or some of you listen may or may not know. If we say see each other and this and that, that's because uh, uh, Ruth and I are on Zoom right now. That's cool. Yeah, names have power. Names are, are special. Your identity is wrapped up in that. So, but uh, my name Josiah is biblical as as well, and is uh got a few meanings like uh just uh God heals and um God's fire, God's zeal, wholeness, things like that. So I remember Bradley because that's my last name, but I I forgot what it means right now. I, oh no, broad. Meadow, I think, or a lee, I think in, in English, I think is another word for a meadow or an open space. Mm -hmm. so a like, lee? I, I think I'm saying that right. Yes. That you guys may have to fact check me if, if, if you care. <laughs> if not, don't worry about it. But I think I vaguely remember that. I think in English, a lee, L-E-A actually, I think is another word for them for a vast open field or meadow or something. So, so let's get into a little bit more about yourself, Ruth. Would you mind telling folks, thank you for going into the dialect and, and your names and everything and where you're from. Would you mind getting into uh, letting people know how you got involved in dance and the arts? Yeah, thanks for asking. So um, nowadays I introduce myself as the founder of Grace Villa, which is the home for girls. It's a sanctuary, kind of safe space for children in Kavale. Um, but I'm a child psychologist by profession. And um, I don't know if it, this makes me more interesting or less interesting, but I lived in the US for a while. Um, and that's where, <laughs> that's where I went to college. And um, that's where I worked. I started working. So I was actually there for a long time, for about two decades. And um, yeah, it was home. It was home. I loved it. I liked what I was doing. All my friends were there. I lived with my brother, my big brother, Apollo. So um, you, you're in the world of film, so you know, um, I'm just film actually had, was part of the reason that I moved to Uganda. So wow. we had a group of friends, mm -hmm, it is. So we had a group of friends and every Friday would have a movie night and would choose a home and everybody would take food and then they would pick the movie and bring it to the house. So they were all American friends and um, not African-Americans. <laughs> they were all Caucasian-Americans. So they went to, I guess, to blockbuster or wherever you get movie, got movies from in those days and um came oh, with the most ugandan <laughs> i know i was just reading all these i was on instagram following a, a hashtag about blockbuster no so do i <laughs> i still have my block when we move i'm sorry to interrupt i think you'll like this yeah. hold yeah. on to your thought when we were when i was packing up to move to rwanda yes. i found my blockbuster membership card <laughs> Your card. <laughs> so I kept it. So it's here somewhere yeah. here here at the uh, at the house. So I, nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, a, a relic of a bygone age. <laughs> yeah. 
So, but yes, but uh, continue. So you and your friends would rent yeah. movies from Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. So like, so I'm thinking, so I guess they looked for the most African or even actually Ugandan thing they could find. So they came with this DVD called The Invisible Children. I don't know if any of you have watched it. It's a documentary, documents the lives of children in Northern Uganda um, who were abducted, you know, well, a group called The Invisible Children. So okay. there, was the, there was this evil, horrible person in Northern Uganda called Joseph Kony. And he, there was a war going on and he, he was the, the person who had started the war. And as a way of creating his army, he would bring in little kids because kids are easy, easy to indoctrinate and easy to like, they can through little holes and pass through little places and basically create havoc. So he was this evil person who abducted little boys and little girls to make them child brides. So it was a very dark time in the Northern Uganda. And it was a documentary was created called The Invisible Children, which was all about these kids. So, um, and you know, the power of film, you know, you watch something and you see a visual. We had heard about this, what was happening. And they're actually called the night commuters because every night kids would leave their homes, pack whatever they could sleep on and move in droves into town to go sleep in public spaces, which were safer. Because if they stayed home, chances of them being abducted were really high. So they're called the night commuters. And we all knew about it, but watching and seeing different little kids tell their stories about how, you know, all these awful atrocities that were happening in their lives. And I remember one kid said, he said, what is your dream? And this kid said, um, I would like to see what peace looks like. You know, so these generations had never ever seen peace. So, and here I am in my house and I'm being taught by these people who are not even from my country through this documentary that they brought. I remember I was really broken down and they were asking us all these questions. We hardly had answers and we were sad, we were ashamed, we were miserable, you know. So that night we went to the, we flipped the DVD and got the contact at the back and there was a number and we actually called the people who made the documentary because we could, through it, we could tell that they had created a sort of movement that was trying to do all they could to bring an end to that war that was going on especially with a focus on the children. So long story short, my brother, who I lived with at that time in Boston, Massachusetts. So my brother and I, just long story short, we became part of that movement called the Invisible Children. So what that was, was we started doing all we could to make as much noise as we could in the United States, you know, writing to senators, like storming the White House, just doing everything we could to create awareness of the situation so that people in the United States would push the government in Uganda to actually do something. And even the world to create, you know how powerful it is to create awareness. So um, here I was, this, I was in college at that time, very shy, good, not good, I didn't like, well, I mean, my people would shake <laughs> when I would stand in front of an audience. It, it was either I spoke or nobody would speak for these kids. So wow. that pushed me and that pushed my brother. and. Um, in the end, that became pretty much my life. People thought I was from Northern Uganda and I'm from the complete opposite. You know, I'm from the West, Southwest, you know. And um, I would go to events, any Ugandan event, any, you know, everything. So in the end, so I'm not gonna go too much into that because it kind of got a bit political. But I remember in the Obama actually signed a declaration of peace. Like um, Connie was put on the most wanted list. So things came from uh, what we did. Like we actually yeah. saw an impact. 
And um, this college kid saying, my goodness, the world is, you know, I'm actually creating some sort of change. So I, through all that, I discovered something that I liked to do. You, you know, that's a gift, you know, actually seeing that this is something that brings me fulfillment. And this is actually where I want my life to go. So my holidays back to Uganda ceased to be just to hang out and party and meet relatives and stuff. I would spend a portion of it in northern Uganda, actually helping out in the schools there. Mm -hmm. And at some point, the war ended because of all the efforts. And it became a period of reconciliation. And I'm trying to build back this place that had been a war zone for over two decades. Um, then, so with my background in child psychology, I found a lot of ways to get involved. As I grew, you know, I was now in the work environment in the United States. I'm come for holidays and I'm in the work environment with these kids. And I didn't, I just felt like, what am I doing? I feel like I'm more needed at home than in the United States. So, um, and you know, especially in a field like, like mine, where you're actually dealing with kids and empathy is important and presence is important. I ceased to be present in my space in the, in the US. I ceased to be good at what I was doing because my heart was at home in Uganda. So I knew it was time to go back home. So yeah, so I packed up everything. <laughs> and it was, it was very scary, I must say. It was exciting, oh. but more scary than exciting. But I committed myself. I went, everybody knew what I was going to do. Everybody knew I was moving. So I pretty much couldn't back out, I, you know. And eventually, um, nine years ago, I moved to Kavali and um, started Grace Villa. Wow. Can you pinpoint what was scary about packing up and moving back? I was leaving a job where I knew I was getting an income because yeah. I started working. And I, I knew I wouldn't be. I was moving into a, a realm. I was not going to a with a company. I was not being mm. moved, you know. I was going into a world where I knew all the funds would now come from me, you know, for it to succeed. Um, I was leaving my brother and he's like mm. my best friend. So I didn't like, that oh, was wow. hard. And all my, my, my comfort, my friends, my best friends were there. And yeah. my, my house, I had a house, mm. you know, so I was leaving a house and I liked it. <laughs> and then I was thinking about all that. I mean, I was a bit spoiled. I mean, I've been away for a while. I was coming, I was moving to a village. I knew sure. there would not be things like paper towel. <laughs> like yeah. actually, but, you know, so I remember packing all kinds of stuff, but sadly my container disappeared. It didn't arrive. So all oh. the comfort stuff that I had taken with me didn't arrive. But then I actually I ended up not missing it. Life went on. I ended up not missing it. And eventually paper towel came to Kavale. <laughs> and yes. stuff that I still don't buy it. Like, you know, <laughs> you learn to, I found out that things that I was worried about didn't bother me when I actually was on the ground but yeah so I think the main things were the the, the financial independence because even through college I was working I'd never been like a broke broke person I always found a way of making money so I knew I was suddenly going to be I could potentially find myself without money mm -hmm. and um, so I've always been an independent girl even through high school I was working and um missing going to miss my friends and then um, my home thing. So those are the basic things that were, were, and I was going into an uncertainty, like what if I failed at what I was doing? There was no blueprint for a grace filler. So what if I failed? What got you inspired to pursue child psychology in the first place? Um, originally I thought I, would, I had planned to do law. 
so that story kind of kind of got overshadowed by the Grace Villa story, <laughs> but I do remember it was partly because of Uganda has been a war-torn country for like through my childhood, but I lived in um, an era of where there was war going on. Like there was a succession war, always a succession war going on. Like a new president would be coming and then there would be this whole um, coup d'etat. And, you know, so we always had issues with security and safety until the the, the 80s. That's when, you know, we haven't had a war since. Um, So we always had kids, kids, yes, yes. So I remember when my sister was born, um, my dad, in order to take my mom to the hospital, put us under, he put our mattresses under the bed so that stray bullets wouldn't come through the window and, and hit us. But he made it all a game and he's playing this loud music so we don't hear bullets. Like we, we lived through a war era, but we kind of wow. didn't know because we were being protected by, by our dad and awesome. our mom. So yes, he was amazing. So my, my sister was born on a day when a certain person overthrew another one. And my actually one grandmother wanted to name her Masasi, which means bullets. <laughs> and wow. my mom said, absolutely not. Yeah, because she, she <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so there was, the, so for some reason, I always felt like um, I wanted to do something that would help psychologically, like help the genera- a generation grow up um, in a way that they were aware of what they had been through, but find strength in certain ways. So I, it was something that, you know, I, and then when I get, got to the States, so I had thought it would be law. I actually thought it would be, I would do child law. Then when I got to the States, um, I, don't know, I mentioned that I worked a lot. Like I worked through college. Yes. And um, one of the jobs I did was um, babysitting. And I loved it. I loved it. Ah. It made really good money. <laughs> actually made a lot of money I almost quit school because yes they like, do <laughs> yeah and I had I even remember I won an award in in Boston for being like an amazing babysitter so oh wow like, dude I found, I found my calling <laughs> and then <laughs> so so that also helped direct me towards um child psychology because I really I found that I love being around kids and um yeah so that's that's how I came up with my my major Wow. Is, is there anything off the top of your head that you're like, this is why I love children so much. And this is why you should too. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I think this is me because right from when I was little, I always babysat even our cousins. Like it was always Ruth that they called to look after the babies and babies liked me. And um, yeah. So even when I was tiny, I, I I remember in primary school they would call me to even teach the younger classes when teachers had meetings going on and in in um, when we got to like when I was in high school I remember taking over there was no Sunday school at our church there was an All Saints church in Kampala and the Sunday school had died for some reason I think lack of teachers and I decided I'm going to start the Sunday school and I think I was in high school you know I was in high school in the second year and I actually restarted the Sunday school and it became really huge. And up to, like, I remember through high school, I would meet kids who were almost my age saying, oh, my teacher. I don't know. That's a good question. I'm going to actually think more about that. Why is it that I like being around? There's something about kids that that's, that I like. like I, I just love kids and kids like kids tend to like me too. So. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's, I'm hearing it's it's reciprocal, and I definitely saw that 
in uh, Kabali for sure. Just the the energy, just the love, the the camaraderie, just the um, it just seemed like everything was just. It's almost like you were an extension of them, and they were an extension of you. <laughs> At least that's how it looked to me. To me, it just food, and it's just you guys. You all are like family, and um, and that Sunday school uh, teacher story is really cool because it sparked a question I hadn't even thought of. But it, it sounds like yeah, it, through your love of children and childlike energy and um instruction it's it's like you also yeah you discover that you are a leader would would that be mm -hmm. correct that's how it sounded to me anyway yeah i, I like you saying that <laughs> but yeah so i've all I, I yeah i i did throughout always took up some sort of leadership position for some reason even in school being a prefect being a suddenly being a monitor being a prefect i was a head girl at some point wow so, yes yeah and then um yeah, I actually should talk about this, even um, even in my adult age. Like I, I, I am, I am enjoy. I, I found that I do enjoy being a part of organizations and actually being a part of them in a way that I make. I help make decisions for some reason. So one of the things that I have been a part of is is um, an organization called. It's a cultural organization called International Community of Banyakigezi. Um, our region in Kabale is in a greater region called Kigezi. And um, people in the United States, um, like just like you have reunions, we would have an annual convention where people from my tribe would gather in one place once a year. So people would fly down and would all gather and we'd get big groups, sometimes up hundreds and hundreds of people. And it was great because it would help us, like especially with the kids, teach them our culture, have them listen to what people speaking in our language. We talk Beautiful. we have our food, our dances. And then on top of all that, there was a connotation of social responsibility where we would give back to our communities here in Uganda. So it, it had grown to become a really, really, it is actually a really, really big, very powerful organization that actually lobbies as well for roads. And like, it, we actually, it became a strong organization that's recognized by the government in Uganda. So um, I, at one point I was the general secretary, the deputy general secretary. And then after that, I ran for president and I won. And I was the wow. first woman. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> It's amazing. And um, yeah, as the first woman and the youngest person ever to be able to as president for about four or five years of that organization, which was really, yeah, I'm proud of that. That's good. You should be. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I know we only met the the one time, so I'm thinking like, I didn't know that, but there's so much I don't know is why I'm so, I'm so glad that we're able to talk, but it's cool to see that, that through line. I wasn't sure if you had that through line or if you just happened to be really, really good at leadership and organization. Maybe you fell into this later in life. That happens to people all the time. They are on maybe a, a, another track entirely different. Like I've talked to filmmakers who actually thought they were going to go to um, the NFL, you know, and play basketball, uh, football their whole lives and be athletes. But then they pivot and do something else. But this is cool to see this through line of young people love you, you love them. You have a natural knack and affinity for galvanizing and organizing and bringing uh, peace and direction 
to people's lives, especially young people. And it, it just kind of sounds like you do what you naturally do, which is so, so beautiful. Cause a lot of people don't know what they do. They don't know what they, what they bring, you know, some might, you know, call it purpose or, or gift or whatever. And I just think that's really amazing. Um, just starting out here is like, you've said so much in such little time and it's, it's, it sounds really, really special. Thanks for that. I You're feel like welcome. I'm in the, my, my own therapy session right now because I feel like I'm discovering <laughs> my <laughs> oh, own I love gifts. That. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. It's cool to hear you say that it's a little bit of a therapy session for you and, and also re mm -hmm. kind of solidifying these things for you. That That's some of my favorite aspects about chatting with people because it's great to talk about craft, whatever it is that you're into or business or whatever, but... I just, I love that uh, my guests and I can, it's also, you know, a reminder that we're human, you know, we've gotten over challenges or, or you're working through them now, or you've been some type of benefit to someone else and you're in a sense rediscovering yourself, which is like really, really special. You made me think of something just now and, and then we will get into Grace Villa, but it, it's clearly important that we go on this track. So I'm gonna just follow it. Can you think of a situation or even one person that you remember growing up who had that really positive impact on shaping who you are, cultivating what's special in you? Oh, yeah. Uh, my, my parents. Look at me answering the question. You said one and I said parents. <laughs> no, that's, no, that's okay. Yeah. So my, my mom, um, her name is Reverend Canon Grace. So she's the grace behind the name Grace Villa. Okay. So I named it after her because of, of who she is, who she is in my life and who she is, I guess, to the world or to the community. Mm -hmm. um, so she she's a, a reverend in the Anglican church, which is probably like the Episcopal church in the USA. And um, she became a reverend in the days when women were not allowed to become reverend. But um, she was blessed to have a bishop who believed in woman emancipation. And so when she came to him with that request, he actually ordained the first three women reverends in Africa, wow. in the Anglican Church of Africa in Africa. So it was my mom and two other ladies. So they were trendsetters, or I don't know what you want to call it. So, but imagine entering a world that used that was for men for you know for 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 life for 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 generations upon generations had only been dominated by men. So it was an unknown territory. But I feel like these three women, my mom included, just did it well. You know, they didn't. They were very tough, but not aggressive. They did gracefully, but relentlessly, and they became mentors for all these women it's now a big there's now a big community of women reverends around the world and in uganda I mean, you, I, you know mom and these other two women were the mother <laughs> reverends so i'm very proud of her she's very gentle we're from a tribe called the bachiga and we are known to be very rough do you remember oh. when the girls were dancing for you and yeah. i said now you're gonna go to this is our dance and we're gonna create earthquakes and, <laughs> and stuff yes i do we dance the earth tremors <laughs> <laughs> yeah so and that's how we are supposed to speak and to look we're tough and rough and everything but we're awesome i love how we are but my mom for some reason is a gentle very gentle very 
lovely voice we my sister and i keep saying we need to become more gentle to be like our mom (laughs) but she's very 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 powerful very very tough and um very wise so i feel like you know i I was blessed to have that sort of mother to look up to and then and my dad as well so they both pushed education very much um they were both very respectful of both men and women so we led, we grew up very balanced, you know. I respected my brother for being a boy. He respected me for being a girl. Um, we both cooked, which is very uh, unnatural. Well, it's not common amongst sure. people yeah, yeah. here. You know, my dad would be in the kitchen. He made the best breakfasts, you know. He would wake us up with a, a cup of hot chocolate in bed. You know, he was wonderful. Wow. Then he also was very empathetic to humanity. Mm-hmm. So our home was an, had a revolving door. People were always coming in, going out, were always helping. At the time, I mean, if we had one piece of chicken, it went to the guests, you know, that kind of life. So I know that my heart for helping community came from how I grew up. You know, it was a home where that was a priority. Looking after people who needed it, being kind to someone who was sad, making friends with the person nobody wanted to be friends with that was the kind of home that I grew up in. And then another thing that I know shaped me was my, we were very close. So my, my dad got transferred a lot. Like being a reverend's daughter is like being an army kid. You know, you get transferred wherever they send you. So okay. um, remember, yeah. So even here in Uganda, you're in this church for four years, you start to make friends and then they transfer you and you go. So many people don't go with their families because you want your family to keep changing your kids from the school they're in. We went everywhere <laughs> with my parents. So I went to seven primary schools and I went to four high schools because we were moving so much. But I think what that did for me, well, it made us very, very close, but I like it. I mean, it, the world was my school as well. You know, I got to learn how to make friends easily. I got to learn how to transition easily. I got, I don't mind moving, you know, so much. I don't mind. So I think that also prepared me for, for what I'm doing now. Wow. That's really cool. Sound like a very, very unique upbringing. I, I love how you're like, my mom was different, but she was uniquely her. And I like how you're like, you know, should my sister and I be more like, be more like mom. But then you also got sense of community, not only from her, but from, from dad and just the closeness that's so that's such a blessing because um, so many people don't have that from different walks of life. And that's so wonderful how you've especially making it full circle with the naming and the founding of Grace Villa, how you circled it back in tribute to your mom was how did your mom take it when you named the school after her? Was it oh. a surprise? <laughs> yeah, she loves it. <laughs> That's cool. That's that's really, really amazing. If you can, would you mind speaking to facing your fear when it came to moving back to Uganda? What helped you launch out and face your fear when it came to, I really want to get into, I want to well take my child psychology gifts and take them home and do something big with them? Um, well, I think passion, you know, I think if you if you're excited for what I was going to do superseded the the fear of the unknown. Yeah, definitely. Because I was more, this was it. This is what I wanted to do. I had no doubt about it. And the fear was a by the way. 
Cool. Would you say that would probably be something if someone wanted to do, maybe not exactly what you're doing, but they wanted to do something new, pivot, change, mm -hmm. and they were dealing with mm -hmm. some fear, would you say passion would be one very integral ingredient to moving forward? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think if you, if, if, I think, I, I mean, I, I, I know that I was lucky to know what I wanted to do. And I, I don't take it for granted, the fact that I, 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 I knew what I was going to do. And I was excited about it. So yes, definitely it was an, a leap of faith and I would say even an extraordinary leap of faith, but knowing that I knew what I was going to do, knowing that I was excited about what I was going to do. And also the fact that I also didn't just go, you know, I prepared, I prepared to go. I remember I had a book that I still have the book, which I look back and I flip through it. So I wrote everything to do with moving home in that book. Like I would meet people um, and I was always asking, asking That's and great. asking and asking. Wonderful. I was always, I heard that you said how you looked at YouTube channels. I didn't look at the, were those there in those days? <laughs> Nine years ago. Well, <laughs> I didn't do it, but I know I read a lot. I consulted people who were in the, in the NGO world and I found that there was a lot of paperwork on it like there was a lot of um i found that it was great to discover that uganda actually had a system in place like there's actually a handbook on opening a home there's actually so there is a lot of really good um material so it's material but then now how do you translate the material to actually real to real life so i mean i was always writing and then um i also like i mentioned before i committed myself I came up with my brochure, I had come up with my business cards and anyone, all my friends knew I was moving. Pretty much, I mean, how do you turn change and say, hey, <laughs> I've changed my mind, you know? And um, people kept, by the, everyone gave me years. Most gave me like two years and said I would come back. <laughs> everyone oh. would expect me back in Boston. <laughs> okay. They You're said I wouldn't, I wouldn't last. Yeah. And then I'm also, I'm a person who, I, I mean, I like a challenge. That's another thing. I, I like a challenge. And then, um, so like I mentioned before, also, I prepared in terms of going home for like a, a, a testing period of three months. So there was that testing period where I came to Uganda and I was in Kabale a lot, seeing it, you know, kind of connecting with people. I kind of prepared a sort of network. You know, I looked at the houses to see where, where would I live? And then I also found out about all the, what I needed to do before I started. So I did go on the ground for three months to prepare myself. And the whole process of me, from me deciding I wanted to go home to me actually moving was over a year. So I didn't want to go home and become a burden to my family. And then I didn't want to be an embarrassment to myself. And then I didn't want to um, go like a, a savior <laughs> and say, oh, I'm from, America, I'm a psychologist, I know what I'm doing and right. all that. Because I, I knew that wouldn't work. So yeah. So I, I I think I did as much preparation as I could, you know. That's no, that's awesome. Cause you because you can only prepare in certain things in my limited experience, but so much. Um, because if you're not careful, you could go too extreme. You probably heard the expression like um, how do you say it? Paralysis through analysis. And then you you don't do anything. You don't launch out mm -hmm. um, because there are there might be real circumstances and obstacles, sure. But it's like if you don't 
buy the plane ticket, if you don't register the business, register the academy, et cetera, whatever it is that you're into, it, it won't get done, Cause especially because you're the one who has the commitment, the passion to do this, this thing, and also to do it the way you want to do it, because a lot of us are doing a lot of the same thing. But the originality is that maybe no one's doing it the way you're doing it. Maybe no one's got the network, the support. They may not bring in the students that you will bring in for a variety of reasons. So I think that that's that's great. Had you always had that part of your personality of liking a challenge? Did that come easy to you or did it develop later? I don't know. I mean, I guess there are moments when I've had, you know, different, you know, different obstacles, which I do. So I don't like failure. I mean, who likes failure? Right. <laughs> I think Got all it. of us. I'm driven by by not wanting to fail, you know, yeah. wanting to succeed. Yeah. So, I think it's it 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 helps, like you said, put fuel behind you if people mm-hmm. challenge you, or if you 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 don't want to get embarrassed, or if you don't want to, especially if you've, you've you've declared something that you're going to do. Yeah. So no, I mean, I've yeah. never thought of myself as someone who. <laughs> who looks for challenges, but yeah, but I guess if it does come up, then you don't back down. I won't. Yeah. That's great. I've climbed mountains and I'm not a mountain climber, but I've climbed mountains just because people said, ha ha ha. She's like, why did you break? You know, <laughs> you're talking about literal <laughs> mountains. Yes. The, I, I, I do. I do climb mountains um, for it, it, it. Should I even go into that? Um, Please, it it go came right up in. as, um, cause I love, Home is beautiful, as you saw. Yeah. I don't think you mm. like Kalale. Yes. And, um, so beautiful. And Uganda has different layers of beautiful. Like each region that you go to is completely different and stunning in its own unique way. And I've discovered that, but you wouldn't know that if you didn't travel, right? So one of the things that I have done is travel. Like with friends, I have friends with tour companies who say, you want to ride along? I have some guests from the U.S., <laughs> you know, like how you guys gave us your bus. <laughs> yes. Anyway, yes. so <laughs> so, um, so I've discovered I, lo- I loved it. So we were trying to find creative ways of making money for the home. And we decided instead of doing a typical like a run or a walk, charity walk, why don't we do charity climbs instead? So I'd never heard of anybody doing it, but apparently people do, but I'd never heard of anybody doing it. And um, so we, we have a really great mountain here. So we have the Virunga Ranges, which we share. Even Rwanda has some of the mountains, like, I don't know which ones you have, Nyiragom, I don't know which one do you have on your side, but there's this mountain range and some of the mountains are in Uganda. So the highest is Muhavura, Mount Muhavura or Muhavura, depending upon who you talk to. So I climbed it with a group, of people who just climb hills and mountains for fun here in Kalale. So I said, oh, this would be a great first one for Grace Villa. So we call, called it Climb Mount Muhabura for Grace Villa. And it, we put it on Facebook, on Twitter and everything, and we put a cost to it. And people came, like people actually came and they actually said it was the biggest number of climbers that they had ever had on that mountain. Wow. And it actually raised some great money for the, for the home. But even better than the money that it raised, it created a network because everybody that came to climb, part of the climb was to pass by our home to see the kids. 
they all fell in love with the kids to yep. create a group that to help us coordinate. Let's say we're meeting at this point, or have you paid this, or make sure you get the right sneakers or climbing shoes, you know, things like that. And it was supposed to dissolve after the climb. But everybody was on the group said, no, we're not leaving, we're not going anywhere. Let's change the name from Climb Mount the Mountain to, and let's call it the Grace Villa family. So that was about seven years ago. And that, honestly, wow. that family has upheld me. I don't know. It's one of the things that I attribute to us still existing mm-hmm. because they actually became family. They became, in fact, one of the two of the people who were with us when I met you. Mm-hmm. I met them on that mountain climb. Oh, wow. Okay. So I met you because of one of the people who, Grace, she, her, name, her name is Grace. She connected us to the person who brought you to to Kabale, who, who basically helped you organize the birth. Yeah. The person who found us. Yeah. So I had never met her before. Saw the climb on Facebook, signed up, came, and is now every The kids call her Auntie Grace. They actually, some think she's their relative you know <laughs> so it became and remember these are kids <laughs> kids my kids most of them don't have parents they're orphans okay. so it created a whole network just for my children so yeah and the only reason I climbed was because the the porters the ones who carry the backpacks and stuff laughed and said in the in their language thinking I didn't understand they thought Ooh. I was all fancy and speak the language and they said there's no way she's gonna make it <laughs> <laughs> I hope they didn't bet money. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That is so amazing. And you you said it was seven years ago and that it's still helping. It grows. So we we try, we we do a climb every year or so. So since then we've done four. So the the network has grown, but it's actually the the ones who came on the first one are usually the same people who come for the, the new climb. Yeah, so it's it's grown since then, and we've, we've gone all over the country, and and it's created good awareness for us, mm-hmm. and then a good it, it it promotes the country, which is a big deal for me. I, yeah. I like showing off the beauty of Uganda, mm-hmm. not just the bad things, but the good things as well. Of course, and then um, giving us a new family for the kids That's and with awesome. new friends. Now I you know because remember I left most of my friends <laughs> behind, so it's also right. given me. A, network of friends oh i love that um you know that is a perfect segue i wanted to just get a a portrait of of you so guys hang tight we're gonna take a little break and then we'll be right back with ruth with more of the story of grace villa sanctuary stay tuned so guys hang tight we're gonna take a little break and then we'll be right back with ruth with more of the story of grace villa sanctuary stay tuned This episode of Josiah's Voice Podcast is brought to you by Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural, smooth human voice. It won't be my voice, but no app is perfect, but this one's pretty close. Because for the first time in the history of the internet, the entire web becomes listenable. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. You can follow any topic as specific as you like, from sports, science, to Bitcoin, or pop culture and movies. It will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. And they have podcasts as well, exploring trending podcasts from over 50 countries. Like this one. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me. That's www.newsly.me. 
or from the link in the description and use promo code J0S1AHV01CE. Josiah's voice, get it? Again, that's J0S1AHV01CE. I'll put that in the description for you. When you click it, you'll receive a one-month free premium subscription to Newsly. Stop scrolling. Start listening with Newsly. Welcome back, listeners. I just wanted to add a content warning going back into the episode. In addition to the references to war and violence made earlier in the interview, upon resuming this talk, there will be some brief references to sexual violence against minors. There are no gritty details, but Ruth shares these statistics in general to paint a picture of the home being built and the incredible work that she and the professionals at Grace Villa are doing to make a difference in the lives of young and innocent, promising Ugandan girls. We'll now proceed with the interview. Would you mind uh, recapping briefly what Grace Villa is? And would you mind sharing some of the beginnings of what it was Mm -hmm. like founding it and putting it together and the offerings? Um, and, and what makes it so, so important. So if people were to ask me what Grace Villa is, we, we, it's, it's, well, it's a home for girls who need a safe place to be. So we used to say it's an orphanage, but it's not just an orphanage because some of the kids we have are not orphans, but they were in an unsafe space in their own homes, facing abuse, facing all sorts of abuse and pulled out by the police and brought to our home. So we are a safe space for girls. So right now we have 215 children in our care. Wow. But in the home, I live with, with um, how many are we now? I think we're now 25 kids in, in my house. Um, by the time a kid comes to live with me in the house, you just know that we fail to find a safe home because our preference is for them to be in a family environment. Sure. So the course. ones who are with us are the ones who we failed to find a family environment for, or if their family was unsafe. Yeah. So at this point, we only take kids who are brought to us by the police or by probation officers. We don't accept kids unless they're brought to us, you know, from in those situations. So we work really, really well with um, the police and with um, the um, those stakeholders. So we do. Um, so our home set is just a home. My, my vision, what I wrote down in that book, was to have a home for a maximum of 20 kids who were only going to have 20 kids in Grace Villa. They were all going to go to a fancy private school. We're supposed to have a maid. We're supposed to have a van. We're supposed to have... It was this wonderful, <laughs> you know, beautiful vision that I had, which would have worked if I hadn't moved home to start to actually be the mother in the house. So it's almost impossible to be in a situation where a kid comes in crying in through your door and tells you the whole story. And each kid has a tragic story. And you know that if you don't take this kid in, this kid will either be on the street, this girl, little kid, or will be in a home being beaten up or sexually abused or something. But if you bring her in, then the kid will come to safety. So within a year, we had 80 kids. Wow. Um, we seized, we didn't put anyone in private schools. They're all in the public school system, which is fine for us. And um, we, and that was nine years ago. So today we have over 200 kids. What we do is beyond a home now, 
beyond the safety, we all, education was always part of the plan. So every single kid is in school. Every single kid gets food, food healthy, gets nutrition and food, healthcare, um, vocational skill. Everyone has to have a vocational skill, which is how dancing came in. So part of our vocational skills, they all need to be things that teacher trade can actually make money, you know, so that besides the education, because here in Uganda, just said education is rarely enough. So besides the education, you have something like tailoring or baking that you do really, really well. Yes. Dancing actually brings in a good income if you do it well. And then we also have sports. So we are big on soccer. So we also get kids who are, um, who are taken in on soccer scholarship. So that helps a lot with the education as well. So we have, I think like 16 kids now in full football scholarships in Uganda. Yeah, those are our main interventions. So basically what we do is we, we, we are breaking down barriers that exist so that our children can actually succeed in life. Yeah, so a lot of it has been learning through experience. So I didn't know that Kamale has prevalent rape and molestation. I didn't know this. Wow. I didn't know that, um, I didn't know the extent of the HIV prevalence here. I knew that it existed, but I didn't know that it was so widespread. Okay. You know, so this place is, it's, it's actually so, uh, such a beautiful area, but then with a lot of hardship, you know, there's a lot of hardship. So um, I'm glad I'm here because, you know, one of my inspirations now, if you ask me now, what is my biggest inspiration? One of my biggest inspirations is the kids themselves who mm-hmm. come to me for help. Most of them are passionate about education. Actually, all of them. That's like their big dream in life. And remember how with us, they used to wake us up and force us to school. With them, if, <laughs> with them school is, that's it's, like it's their life. joy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's because they've seen it for themselves. And it's a fact that this is one surefire way to get out of like cycles of poverty. These cycles that of, of, of um, poverty, of, of um, having kids, um, child marriages. And just, of so course. I actually see, I have so many examples in front of me of kids who maybe who I didn't, and it breaks my heart. Like a kid who I didn't take within a year, she's married you know, and she's young. She's 14, she's 15. And you know that that's it. That's it for her. You know, she's just going to have seven kids. They're going to always be hungry. They're not going to be healthy. They're not going to. So then I see also the other side. And I see how, because our kids who we are taking, our kids and their families and their communities. So it, it, it inspires me as well, because our kids are amazing. And um, I think it's also, yeah, it's something that pushes us even through struggles and all that it pushes us to to keep to keep going that's yeah that's amazing that's really really uh powerful um how did you determine the finding the right uh other instructors and all and uh adult professionals to help you cultivate this culture and this Mm -hmm. curriculum and make this home safe what was that like kind of assembling your team Good question. Um, sadly, I didn't have a team because I couldn't afford a team in the beginning. I didn't have a, a, sure. a good team. Yeah. So, but I was so lucky in those three months that I came prior to starting the home. I met somebody, a young man who was the youth chairperson. Basically, it's like a government position, but it's given to youth. Like you, 
college college age. So he he heard about what I was planning to do, took my card, gave me his, and just became a lifeline. So he's the one who helped me get registered the right way. He's the one who who helped me learn that you need to be friends with the Boda Boda guy and you know you, which market to go to and you know all those wow. things that I would have never ever 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 thought about. So and he also introduced and then um, I also joined that group that walks the trekking group and through that group I met headmasters and nurses and so they became our network of people who I would call when I needed help. I also became friendly with the police and that and ever since then up to today I think my closest friends are the police which is which is helpful because I'm always at the police station with some case or the other. Wow. And um yeah so so um to get the right help and I still I don't know who listens to your podcast so <laughs> So I'll mention it and say we're constantly looking for people to come and help. Like if someone wants to take a sabbatical and come and teach, or wants to take a sabbatical and come and help um, in administrative work with us, we would be really, really grateful because we always, we, we still, we, we're not under any organization. So we live almost day to day. You know, for some reason, my grant, I mean, oh, if you even have people who know how to write grants, because I've found that I'm, that's not my gift, because I've written a thousand and never got anything. So we're, we're always living day to day, which is tough, but has also created our culture at home where the kids know that Auntie Ruth wakes up struggling to find your school fees, find your food, find your, so nobody takes anything for granted at all. And then everybody is really happy for what we get. If somebody brings us a bunch of bananas, oh, we dance, you know, like we're thrilled. So it's of it's great a culture yes. of not um, taking things for granted. And then it's also raising children who also now also want to to bring to bring into the home. Um, we have some of our oldest kids. Um, one of our kids is in in university. She got a full scholarship in Mauritius, which is- Wow. I've been learning about Mauritius. Yeah. Congratulations. We can't wait for, yeah, we can't wait for our graduation. So we all go and experience yes, Mauritius. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And she's in a very strong university, which you could have heard of in Rwanda. It's, they have a, a, one of their branches is in Rwanda called Africa Leadership University. So okay. she is in Mauritius and she, she is on full scholarship and gets some pocket money and got a job in the cafeteria and worked, worked, worked really hard, came home about a, a month and a half ago with all her savings and said her plan was to buy land for Grace Villa. So we went and she found land and actually bought a plot of land for the home. And she's spending a holiday cultivating so that we have food from that. So this is our child. Yes. And I, and I, and I attribute it to the way we are in the home. She, She's working hard instead, and she, oh, I love this. She said to her sisters, her Grace Villa sisters, she said, saving takes humility. Because she said, I'm not buying the cool clothes which the other kids are buying. I'm not going out to the cool fast food places with all of them. And I'm working, and by the way, she ran for vice president and won. So she's a vice president of the college. She's serving her her the other students so they're all saying but you're the vice president but she knows what her target is she knows what she what she's aiming for so she came home with 
um, I think it was 14 million Uganda shillings and bought a plot of land. So I'm not saying I love that we are struggling. I mean, I'd rather that we, <laughs> I think we should be done <laughs> at this point. Hey, you know. Of course. No, <laughs> yes. There's also, there's a flip side to it, you know, there's a flip side to it. I also purposely wanted it to be a Ugandan, okay, an African run and funded not only but predominantly i wanted it i wanted the girls to grow up proud of being ugandans yeah and what brings that pride you know who are you surrounded by who is uplifting you who's lifting you up you know you know maybe i don't know if i should go here or not but there's a there was a tendency there is for if a foreigner like a a, a person comes in i'd say a, a white person <laughs> i don't know who comes Kids get people get excited when they see so, so people would get excited when they see people of a different color come in to their school or into their village because they always attributed this to wealth, you know. Right, right. And they also they always knew that the people who were rescuing them or paying for their education were always a different color. But in our home, kids know that it's everybody. Yes. Okay. And to be honest, the people who are more there are, are their color, you know. So, and, I, and to me, that was very important. Yes. So for me, that was very, very important. So, but one thing that it's done is, yay, um, we're struggling, you know, but, but we are making it. So it's been nine years. We hit 10 years next year. And I'm very proud to say that it we were funded by a woman, you know. Yes. We are a woman-run organization and an African woman-run organization, and then predominantly funded and supported by people just like the kids. Wow. Has yeah. that all made sense? I hope yes. it's come out right. Yeah. Yes, no, that all it's made sense. It's, it's everyone's contributing, but it's also like, like you said, it's African, and then you whittle it down. It's Ugandan women saving women. Everyone's contributing, but it's that sense of, that makes perfect sense of just putting that strength, wisdom, savviness, education, humility, lovingness on display. Um, and it's it's like you, you're taking in yourself and being able to bask in the rewards as they come, you face the challenges as they come together, but it gives you a sense. Um, it still gives solidifies something powerful about yourself you you get to learn something about yourself on that point um yes all of that made sense ruth um in addition to that one student you mentioned who's like she like bought a plot of land she she saved she's like she sounds like a superhero to her other sisters are there other areas where great or small but i mean it's all valuable where you've been seeing that that african that ugandan that that's that sisterhood pride in your girls over like are there any standout things or like it's taking root they're they're coming into their their own yes absolutely absolutely covid was a tumultuous time a very strange sad awful time yes but it also revealed a lot for our home so one thing schools were all shut down for over two years in uganda so we had to come up with creative ways of keeping our kids educated. And I love how everybody stepped up. So we actually had classes and they were run by the older girls. So we have all ages in the home, 
from little ones who are like four years old all the way up to kids who are in, in university. Okay. So, um, so it's just like any other home with all ages. And the university kids all came in when they were in high school. So they've been with us for like eight years, you know, through that. So I love how everybody just took charge. So our kids who are now back in school, many of them are reporting that they are ahead of other kids because of the interventions of their, their sisters. Love we also it. did online classes and all that. But it, I love how home is run by the girls. You know, home is actually run by the kids. So the one graduate that we have was hired back as our accounting officer. So she's in charge of our finances. And um, the second, so another girl in university who was, she had planned to do social work. Then when she taught during um, the COVID break, she fell in love with teaching and has changed her major to education. So she's now doing education because, wow. because of that. And um, yeah, so then I, I don't, yeah. So I'm just seeing a lot of empathy amongst the kids. So one thing at the home, we do not, we, we, I'm raising the kids to, in, to welcome, to be welcoming, okay? Because I'm not welcoming of people who look fancy in cars, but even people who come barefoot and all that. And, but the kids themselves are learning how to respect every level because we're actually fed even by women who have nothing, who walk barefoot, who dig for a living and get their harvest and bring us potatoes, bring wow. us eggs from their chickens. So we get, because they know what we're doing, that we're taking care of kids in the community and they know that we're not funded by any big organization. So the kids are learning how to respect all levels of humanity and be wonderful to people. And I, and I like that because one of my pet peeves is arrogance, you know, mm -hmm. and I, yeah, I, I, so respect for all levels. So we, and we, we do a lot of outreach and a lot of the outreach is, is brought to me, like the ideas are brought by the girls themselves. Like an old woman's house has fallen and she Ruth can we go and help build the house. And then we'll spend weeks building with mud, like literally building the, the yeah. kids well not me personally but but the girls themselves mm -hmm. and um so so i i and i like this i like how the girls are and there's nothing that makes me happier than people coming and saying oh you weren't home but we didn't it was great <laughs> you know without you there but how did you <laughs> how did you raise girls who were so welcoming who was so outspoken who was so because here the tendency is for girls to not look you in the eye you know it's not a tendency but it's how they're actually raised so a respect thing is not to look adult in the eye and not to look men in the eye girls are usually supposed to be all meek and and down look with their eyes facing down but then i teach them have a firm handshake you know be, be confident don't be arrogant but be open and and everybody learns how to speak because I call upon them to welcome, to give speeches, like something <laughs> with no discrimination, you know. Yeah. When we get like, if you came, if you came to visit and you're mm -hmm. about to leave, I'll say, Doreen, could you come and thank our guests for coming to visit? <laughs> you know, so she has to stand in front of all the like 40 kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm, <laughs> so I'm trying to teach them to hold their own, you know, in all circumstances. And then, one fear I've always had is, is what if something happens to me, what will happen to the home? You know, you just never know. You know, especially you saw what COVID, how it taught us that nothing is, is certain. Mm, that's right. right. 
so what if I got sick, you know, and like, so, and remember we, 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 our budget isn't big enough to have major staff, major staffing. So I'm glad that we have all ages, including the age that you could actually hire, you know, above 21, some of our girls were still in college because many of them, their education was delayed. So they're a bit older than they should be in the classes that they're in. Gotcha. So they all have leadership roles. We have elections once a year, very, very competitive elections. We have Miss Grace Villa, we have education, we have security, we have health, we, you know, we, we have music, head of music, head of catering. So we, all the girls, there's a, there's a, a system in the home and, and everybody takes it very seriously. So the girls are great. I like that. So, but last year we were blessed to be able to hire. Finally, I have a good administrative assistant, Doreen, who's great. And, uh, and then we have someone in charge of education. So we hired two people. So we now have two full-time staff members who are really, really, really great. And then um, our, our other staff we've always had, we've always had a cook for the bigger group not for the home, but for when everybody's home, the 200 kids, and then also a security guard. We've always had a security guard. Wow. Yeah. I like how you said the word earlier coming into their own because they sound very independent um, and, and sure of themselves. I remember when we were all uh, having having dinner for um, mm -hmm. my, my Uncle Don's uh, birthday, and they're just, to, to me, just seemed to be, yeah, this sense of confidence a sense of you know if 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 i i couldn't tell if anyone messed up but it felt like if someone did a sister had each other's back and they were smiling and it was genuine and it was okay and um i remember my my dad said you know he was taken by surprise because it felt like a dozen girls rushed him at the table to introduce themselves and to say good evening and ask how he liked it and you know what's your name sir you know and they told him their names and had stories and things and they were just really it was just a great energy and just a sense of uh individuality yet a collective sisterhood at the same at the same time and it was just um from the singing to the dancing it was just it was just great so to hear you say you know you know you think about you know if you couldn't run things, you know, would they be able to take care of things? Are there systems and staff in place? And, or people have talked about you, I think you just mentioned, you know, Ruth wasn't there, but the, the girls took it over. It was, that's, that's great. It sounds like, you know, my dad talks all the time to my brothers and I about how, you know, he wants to feel like he left something or some type of mark that we could hand, maybe we can't handle everything, no one ever can, but that you're equipped and it's just beautiful to hear that from you and to hear other people saying that to you in different ways of your girls, that they'll be okay or that they are doing okay. Or, and some of them are even coming back, you know, with the, uh, the um, young sister you said, who's the accounting uh, in charge of accounting now, or the other sister you mentioned, who's bought the plot of land and they're, they're sewing back in. Yes, I just think yes. that was just mind blowingly powerful. I, I I think it's 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 amazing. How do you feel? You've got to feel a sense of yeah. No, sometimes we're we're, we're guilty of failing to acknowledge the the like how maybe redemptive and 
positive this work is and, and joyous. And I, I want to stress how happy I am to be where I am. I know um, I wouldn't, this wouldn't exist if there were not sad stories in, in place, which is not, which is awful. Like we wish right. we didn't have of to course. exist. Of course. And, yeah, and none of the kids want to be where they are. You know, none of them asked to be born in, the, in this circumstance. Right. But that, that being said, I'm in a very happy place. I love what I do. I get up in the morning and I just praise the Lord. And, I, and, and I'm grateful for how it has evolved. You know, I'm, I'm, we've had ups and downs and we've learned from the downs, you know, like the failures. We've had many failures, you know, like we were evicted from a house um, three in the middle of COVID and because our rent paying was a bit scratchy and because mm. we, I think they were tired, <laughs> but we had lived there for seven years and had never owed for, you know, so it was, I was also a bit, come on, we've been here for seven years and we've been good tenants. Well, not yeah. the best tenants, but we're good. But anyway, so they, um, so that was terrifying. But out of that came our new home. We, we did a fundraiser on Facebook and within three months, people were great enough to buy our own house. Wow. You know, so that's what I'm saying. We've had, awful those I mean we were homeless and then so a good thing came out of that we've had you know so yeah I'm happy I'm grateful I don't take any of it for granted the statistics that exist that are in place especially about girls who are orphaned and underprotected are awful because Uganda has actually the highest rate of teen pregnancies in sub-Saharan Africa they register 25 percent every year it's ranked as the ninth hotspot for child marriages in the whole world. You know, there are all these awful statistics. So we feel blessed that we are in place to do the best that we can, like as much as we can. And we acknowledge that what we do is the fruit of amazing people around us, you know. Um, some, some who don't even know it, because you guys probably don't know how, you know, <laughs> even that one evening with you guys, we made some good, I think I told you, right? We actually got money that paid yes. some school fees, like some really good money. Yes, you did. Yeah, so that was just, yeah. And besides that, I mean, you guys just trying, I mean, the whole month we were excited. <laughs> I think we're still excited till today oh, from how um, your group, because um, for me, the way people receive my kids matters, but we are, I, I, I teach them not to expect, right? Because many times okay, we perform, sure. we're looked at as the as the help. We're here just to perform, first of all, right? Yeah. And many people have a mentality about orphans, sadly, but they do. So I don't. I try. I don't want heartbreak. So the girls are always under expectant. But you guys okay. just pulled out the red carpet for my kids, <laughs> and they we were happy <laughs> to do it. And talking about how the staff pulled out chairs for them and put napkins on their laps. They had only seen it in movies and we gave them this amazing meal. So anyway, so um, so when I talk about the fruit of many hands, some of people don't realize the impact because imagine how high their heads were held after that and forever mm -hmm. they'll remember that, that these people actually thought me important enough to treat me in this way. So it actually impacts long-term and then we have, yeah. So besides that, we have a great board in place, mm -hmm. a board of directors, very good advisory. Then we have, like I mentioned, the new staff, which is something we are proud of. 
We have something that we call the dream team, which is a steering committee, which is comprised of volunteers who came through that other Grace Villa family that I mentioned from the mountain climbs and all that. And they meet every single month, once a month, to plan how to run the home. They're in charge of everything, their culture, their pets, the birthdays of the kids. The Even when we came to perform, one of the members who was with us is a dream team member who's in charge of dance. So she came to make sure the girls were okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and these are 100% voluntary. Half of them are broke. <laughs> wow. You know, but okay. very rich very rich on time and love for the, like so much passion for the kids. Yeah. Yes. And then, yeah. So then my family, I mentioned how very close I am to my brother and my sister and my parents. Yes. Sadly, my dad passed away a few years ago. Mm. And, then, and, and then, thank you. You're welcome. Yes. And then I must mention the donors and um, people who um, support the kids. You know, we yes. have some people who sponsor some kids so yeah, so it's all this whole collective that you know comes together to to make what we do possible, and and yeah, I feel blessed. Good, you you should, and I'm I'm, and sounds like you've done a great tribute to to your father as as well to to his memory and everything he instilled, and you and your siblings, and to watch it spread out to the home to Grace Villa. It's just wonderful to see how he he was used and how you've been used to 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 bless other people um and may god continue to bless the work of your hands and those of your staff those of your family the donors everyone you know the system you never know who where the blessing is going to come from next but there are things in my limited experience in place behind the curtain, behind the scenes. And it sounds like you've alluded to them already. You think you've had challenges, but then things came through somehow. And, and sometimes better, like the one home you mentioned, you know, you had the eviction, but then yeah. something better. You you guys held it together. I'm sure it was terrifying. I don't know what, what that was like, especially from a leadership position like yourself, all that love and generosity and all these young ones looking to you but a way was made out of no way, thankfully. And it just sounds like a lot of faith muscles as well as skill set, expertise, networking, genuine friendship and connection, all of it just seems to kind of be working in concert to contribute mm -hmm. to the home. Um, I think that's, that's beautiful. Um, is there one thing you'd say your your you said they call you auntie so i guess your your nieces um have taught you like i mentioned before they've all, everybody they've all had a tough past but they i love the way they're not allowing their pasts to define them yes i'm not allowed to say that any better yeah yes yes um you you met them yourself they are not miserable you know they not do. At all. Not at all. It comes out maybe when we're having because we have nightly fellowships. So sometimes in fellowship they'll talk about their past, which I like. I mean, it's important to it's cathartic and all that about their past, but they don't allow it to define them. Instead, they use it as a stepping stone. They use their the, what they went through to push them to greater heights. Um, they're so loving and they are very. Their hearts are open. 
So they challenge me. They challenge me. And I think they are one reason why I don't allow scary times to 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 take over, you know, because if they've been through what they've been through and have come through with with, with such grace and still still having so much joy in their hearts, then who am I to cry over something as you know, through over life, you know. So yes, so they do, they are now, I think one of my biggest inspirations. And I can't wait to see <laughs> what they become. Like, I'm, well, I'm already seeing part of it, but I can't wait to see to see the future. Yes, that's beautiful. It's, it's nine years now. Here's to nine more times infinity. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, because you must be, and yes, you've said it, you, the pride in seeing the results and seeing, you know, the, the sisters who come back and so in those who go out has just got to be amazing. Um, would, would you be able to say, why is Uganda better because of Grace mm. Villa? I feel like we've kind of in a long way talked, like mm. highlighted it, but it just feels like things are better because you all are there. Mm. Yeah, in, in our own, I think every drop matters in an ocean. So we are a drop in the ocean. But then I think one thing that we're showing people is that you can all help everybody can do something in their own way. I know we, one thing that we do is we highlight people who help us on their birthdays on our page. And one thing that I always say, even for the college kids who post about us, right? They, you, and you yourself know how powerful marketing or talking about something is on social mm-hmm. media. Yeah. So even that, someone can have nothing but have a positive thing to say and it has a ripple effect. So people, and then I also have many people traveling from Kampala for not just coming to spend a weekend with the kids or to teach the kids how to, but there's this lady who has a baking company who she, she has a very big business, but she comes to you to Kalale every year for at least a week, training the girls on how to bake right. Like not just bake anyhow, but actually bake right. Wow. Um, we have someone who is actually in the film industry. His name is King. And he started, he came and said, I want to reach out. I want to help in a, in my own way. Can I teach a class on film filmmaking? And I'm like, yes, please, yes. So he's been coming, I think for now, four years almost, every single Thursday. And he does every, he started with theory. He started with, you know, like they never touched a camera. They were like, when are we touching cameras? But he was teaching them the real, um, like the foundation of yeah. it all and now they're editing they actually have documentaries out like it acting editing everything directing and um so i think i love that people are giving back and we're talking about it so that other people know that it's not just foreigners who who help you know yeah. even as ugandans they they can be very impactful and we're giving them a way of giving back. We're giving them the platform to do it because everybody, people are kind. They want to help, but they don't know how. So we're helping with that. Then I also like how we are changing the local communities because I talked about gender violence, gender-based mm-hmm. violence and all that. And one of the reasons this is ignorance. Honestly, I mean, it sounds odd, like who would be ignorant about it, but people grow up thinking it's okay to hit a wife or to hit a girl because this is how they were raised and this is what they've always seen you know and so we're actually dispelling we're helping to dispel myths and wrong norms 
through, and I think the only way you can do that is having um, like long-term, like long-term programs, not just saying, we'll talk about it on the radio once and that's done, or they'll watch a movie and they'll be fixed. No, it's long-term, it's systematic. And men are seeing their daughters going out to dance and coming back with money for the home, giving the home food, right? Or they're seeing their kid like Chirao, who was really marginalized as a girl, the girl who I mentioned, Butland, coming home and buying her grandmother a phone or actually bringing food into the, you know. So they're seeing the impact of educating a girl because the norm was you educate the boys and you marry the girls off, right? But they're seeing, you know, even through COVID, we supported our kids. I mean, people really, really supported us through COVID. Like we got a lot of help, a lot. We didn't struggle because of support. And we, we the support was spilled over into the community. The families that looked after have our kids in them. So these families are seeing the girls actually feeding the home. So basically, I'm just trying to give examples of how norms can be shifted. Yeah. Just from you know from exposure and, and you know yeah and um yeah so i think those are my main two things that i love with what we're doing yeah i think that's really really powerful and i think it's great that um to a point you made earlier um and if this talk has contributed i'm so thankful um with yourself with your nieces uh, with everyone at the home where yes you it's important to take the time to do what you're doing and reflect on uh, the triumphs, because um, I like you mentioned mm. the, cathar the catharsis earlier, because yes, they a, a lot of great many of them have come from dark situations. We're not trying to paint over it and pretend it didn't happen or anything like that. We're trying to bond together and bring the right people, the right men and women, and especially the right women of intelligence, of integrity, of generosity, of expertise to kind of hold your hand through it, or or if not hold your hand, listen, be a sounding board, be some type of force for good to gradually move forward toward wholeness. And I thought that was, because that's great, because it's so easy to get caught up. And I'm sure you remember it, um, maybe slightly different in the States. Um, I definitely still remember it, where you get really goal-oriented mm. and you don't give yourself uh, the grace. <laughs> To, um, yes. to see where you've come from, to process in a healthy way. Maybe this is bothering you. Maybe these nightmares or these failures or embarrassments or whatever, because you're a person. You're not raising superheroes, but you want people to discover their powers inside for wholeness, for a healthy life, um, for a future. Um, I, th I just think that's, I think that's just amazing. Um, this has been great, Ruth. I just got a couple more questions for you. It's, just, it's been a really powerful uh, discussion, and it's been really fun to also reconnect um, from from that night because it was uh, all you listening. It was amazing, my uncle Don. We all had a great time. Um, I didn't know what was going to happen, um, and so when Grace Villa came through, and I was just like, "Yo, we got authentic Ugandan dance and song, and just like." I thought it was my birthday. It was, you know, it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and just, just be able to, to. We all felt the same way. You all felt that's beautiful. Um, and to have, you know, been able to contribute to to 
the donations and they they had all these amazing shirts and hoodies and different really cool merchandise had a booth set up and this and that and it was just man it was just um it was just really a, a blessing i i can't stress it enough you guys really blessed us um you definitely blessed me um a lot that night i i won't soon forget that night is there something you would say to your younger self now looking at um what you've accomplished what you are accomplishing what's being realized it's not your head anymore uh some of these things they've materialized is there any advice or anything you would give to your younger self well i'm glad that um i think i like how my my life evolved both good and bad things i think if, if well, not to my younger self, but maybe someone, if I was to prepare myself better for this journey, I think I would have taken a, some more courses in um, like administrative stuff. Cause in the US, sure, is, yeah. even here, I guess, but now I don't have the time for it, but to actually prepare myself to be able to run an organization better, maybe like some administrative courses some stuff in finance and, you know, I, I know that I would do that if I was to go back to that preparation stage of my life. And I think I'm happy with the way I retain my friendships. So we shouldn't, you know, I'm glad that I retain my old friendships, even from way, way back. Those have helped me a lot. They kept me grounded and supported me because um, there's a tendency to just become about, you know, when you're doing your own organization, it's a bit dangerous because it can consume you so if you don't have people to keep reining you in and um because it, it shouldn't my convention should not yeah, i don't want people to always look at me and say oh fundraising she needs money <laughs> you know um <laughs> sure yeah that, that <laughs> but that that's that's something that can happen because it's it's your life that's you know maybe what you're thinking about um so i like i'm glad that i have besides my family i have friends who look at me as Ruth, you know, and keep me grounded. I'm grateful for my spirituality. I'm born again. And I know that has helped me a lot, a lot, lot, lot. Because like it, it's it's as much as there are wonderful things involved in this, there's also a lot of I deal with a lot of tough stories. You know, I don't talk about them on social media and all that because people don't really want to hear. And also I don't want to expose my kids. You know, so there's a lot to deal with. So if I didn't have a support system, I could break down. So um, I'm thankful that my younger self made friends and that I retained, you know, those friends. So I don't know. Um, I don't think I've said anything profound <laughs> here, but um, yeah, that's that's about it. No, that's great. No, but it. I'm sure it was for somebody, but in but if not, it was honest. Yeah. Very very honest. Um. Thank you. Is um so let me see. Where can people learn more about Grace Villa and also get involved? Because you mentioned you have bakers, business people, filmmakers, people are coming to bring their gifts at the feet of, yes. of Grace Villa and contribute. So where can people uh learn more about uh what you guys offer and what they can offer you? Mm -hmm. um, we have a website, which is www.gracevilla.org, but I prefer our social media handles because I'm more active there. 
I don't love our website. I'd have, I need to work on that. So, so we have Facebook. We have Grace Villa Cavale. Even if you just Google Grace Villa and Cavale is K-A-B-A-L-E. So if you Google Grace Villa Cavale, you'll see our website. You'll see our social media handle like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And then even myself, if you Google Ruth Bahika or Ruth, will you remember my last name <laughs> in Bahika? In Kavale, then you also see what we're doing just to learn more about what we're about us. And um, we're grateful for any sort of support um, we need it. And um, whether it's um, like Josiah just mentioned, whether it's coming in with your gifts or whether it's um, helping us rally because we constantly need funding because all the kids are enrolled in schools which need school fees. And that's our biggest expense. The kids need to eat. We need things like sanitary pads. We need, um, we need to, we need to live. So we do constantly need finances. Yeah, and then those who are spiritual, we appreciate prayer. We appreciate prayer and just good yes. thoughts sent our way. So yeah, and Wonder. things like this, Josiah. You, you know, I always, yeah. I love getting a chance to speak about what we do, about our our journey. And um, it also helps me because it, it opened my mind up to certain things. And, and I'm, I'm grateful for this time that I've spent with you. Wonderful. I'm grateful, too. Um, yes, everyone. Again, I will link everything in the show notes and on uh, the website for Josiah's voice, um, because if you were really inspired and moved by everything Ruth had to say, like I welcome you to welcome her onto your platform or a write-up or anything to continue to spread the word because homes like Grace Villa, you know, they're the world needs more of them. And I'm glad that um I'm glad that you guys are continuing to endure and and survive and thrive. Um I'm so excited again about the additional staff you were talking about. I can only imagine how, how you feel. You must be singing and dancing. Um, yeah. you guys also have a YouTube channel, isn't that oh, right? You yeah. still have that? Yes. Thank you for saying that. Please subscribe. <laughs> no, it's, so it's also, it's, it's called Grace Villa as well. Grace Villa Cavalli. So everything we put Cavalli because apparently there are other Grace Villas in the world. Okay. So we always, we, we need to add the word Cavalli. Yeah. yeah. So yes, we do have a YouTube because you were releasing music and dance and updates on there, right? I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah songs and everything it was so cool. I was like, there's so many outlets. There's so much you all are doing. Yeah, because are amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, last but not least, where do you, because yes, all these resources, all this prayer is not going to waste. Where do you, as we as we close, where do you see Grace Villa in the future? your your vision yeah we've been thinking about that a lot because of the nine years that have passed and now we're hitting next year is 10 years of base villa and we actually invite you to come and join us for our um oh. 10 year anniversary we have a week long of festivities planned um Can't wait. so so we 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 realized the importance of having a vocational center of our own like a big space that not a school, but a vocational center where we'll have a stage to perform on and invite people to come and watch us perform and a space to practice, not under a tree because of our, you know, weather and dust and all that. Um, we need, we want to have our own um, 
little coffee shop in that vocational center, which is an outlet for the things that we bake. In that place, we'll have a space for tailoring because we have some really good machines that were donated to us, and but we need a proper space in which to do that. And that tailoring center, we after COVID, we evolved to also include parents or guardians of girls who look after us, who lost their jobs during COVID. So we need a bigger space for that. And it will also have a, a place for making shoes, like all the different things that we do. We do mat weaving. So we need a proper space that will house all of that. So that's what we're working. That's what our goal is for 10 years of Grace Villa. I mean, yeah. So growing up to become a bit more self-sustainable through that vocational training center. Oh, you will have a proper library. Right now, our library is our garage because we don't have a car. <laughs> so we turned our garage space into a really fantastic library that is open to all kids in the community. And they really, really come through. So we want Beautiful. a bigger, Beautiful. more proper space. So basically, we're just creating a bigger space in which to put all our different projects and activities in a nice, in, in, in it. So that's where we see ourselves in the next couple of years yes exciting i got really excited especially when i heard about the library because i'm a i think we talked about i'm a big bookworm as as well so that's great that the girls and the community um children can can enjoy ruth this has been uh has been a real blessing been a been a real treat i'm glad that i could contribute to the the platform for for grace villa and the work that you're doing um I know this is going to be a, a blessing and I just continue to pray and will continue to contribute in whatever way I can to the expansion of what you all are, are doing. Um, again, I don't think it's going to be forgotten anytime soon. Um, the eyes of the Lord shine brighter than a thousand suns and he sees what you what you and your staff and your family are, are doing. So, um, guys, again. All of the information that Ruth and the story she shared, I'm going to link uh, all the social media and websites, YouTube and everything so that you can get involved and uh, and from there even learn about other programs like this as you feel led because they're all doing the same blessed work just in different ways. And uh, it's just all about community. That's definitely what I've gotten from this talk. So thank you again, Ruth. I'm, I'm glad you had a good time. Guys, I hope I hope you guys enjoyed this and uh, I'll talk to you next time. See ya. Thank you guys for tuning in to Josiah's Voice, the podcast. Subscribe on all listening platforms and you can keep up with the show on social media by following at Josiah's Voice Pod on all social media. And keep up with the show on the blog. Subscribe at the blog at www.josiasvoicepodcast.wordpress.com for all the show notes for each and every episode. And if you like my theme music, the song is called Emotion. It's by Mateo. Subscribe to him on iTunes and Spotify. Thanks, guys.